Nicole Hempkes, owner, medical director of Advocate MD, a direct primary care clinic in Middleton. Uh, Nicole, as one might suspect, is a passionate advocate for direct primary care, which might just have the power to truly bend the healthcare cost curve in America if lawmakers would ever get behind this free market model. Nicole is our guest today on MacGyver Newsmakers. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Tell me a little bit about uh, your background. You've been in medicine for some time, and then all of a sudden, uh, late last year, you said, uh, this is the medical, this is the healthcare approach I want to take, direct primary care. How did you get to, from point A to point B? Sure. So, yes, I've um, been out of residency training for the last 10 years. I've been out in practice, and for the majority of that time, I've been an employee doctor, which is becoming a more and more common thing that we see. And especially in the state of Wisconsin, I read something recently saying that we 87% of physicians in the state of Wisconsin are employed, um, not independent you know, practitioners like we used to be you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, so what we see happening and what I, you know, I had experienced happening over the past 10 years is that more and more, you know, health systems are, you know, kind of being run your, your employees and you're basically told, you know, this is the time you're going to start and this is the time you're going to end and you're going to see your 30 patients a day and this is what you're allowed to do. This is what you're not allowed to do. And it started to feel like I couldn't take care of patients the way I would like to. I wasn't having enough time to spend with them. You know, a, a 10 or 15 minute appointment is just not enough. Um, and you're kind of hooked to the computer because you have to have so much documentation done that you need to submit to a coder that's going to, you know, bill for that visit. And that's the way the health system gets paid. Sure. So much of what we do seems to be more focused on the billing and the payment rather than the patient. So that part, you know, got to be very dissatisfying for me. So I had heard, had a friend who was um, doing a direct primary care practice in another part of the country that kind of plugged me into a group. Um, so I started to learn more about the model. This was probably a year ago. Um, and then about July of last year, I kind of made the decision that this is what I was going to do. You know, it seemed like a win-win for both patients and physicians because now we have the time to take with our patients. The physician is making more of the decisions based on what the patient needs rather than, you know, what the outcome as far as payment or what the insurance is going to reimburse us. We don't have to deal with any of that. And for a primary care physician, to, to eliminate insurance um, eliminates about 30 to 50% of our overhead expenses. So this allows me to have a practice on my own, which I would not be able to do in a fee-for-service insurance system. Um, so right now I run the practice by myself. I'm the only physician. I don't have any staff currently. So when a patient walks in, I check them in. I take their vital signs. If they need blood work, I draw their blood. You know, I do the full exam, you know, so basically we've consolidated a lot of this process into, again, you know, kind of the direct process, the simplification of, you know, one of the areas that I've seen that the, the reason that healthcare costs so much in our country is that everything is a very complicated process that doesn't necessarily need to be. So, so maybe I don't need to have four or five employees because much of this or all of this I can do on my own, you know, until I get a little busier. Um, but so that has been very satisfying for me to be able to take care of patients in that way. You know, it's interesting to me, and, and you say this, uh, this is not something that occurred 40 years ago. I mean, this is in a lot of ways today a revolutionary system. We're just going back in time when the doctor, when the physician had a direct relationship with the patient. And I suppose that may sound strange because you obviously go see your doctor, but as you said, so many uh, physicians are employed through some healthcare system 
they have uh, to deal with the HMOs and the PPOs and all of the O's. And <laughs> it's a massive system. It's a massive system of regulation and red tape driven by the government, of course, uh, but then driven by the insurers as well. Um, let's first of all define what direct primary care is. And we have often done that by saying what it isn't. It's not health insurance. It's health care. Uh, there is a, a fee that you pay uh, basically up front. It's kind of like a subscription. Is that uh, a good way to describe or, or it? Or a membership Or based, a membership, yeah. yeah. So, so it's a cash-based system, but what differentiates it from, you know, there have been cash-based doctors for many years. Mm -hmm. Basically, you walk into the doctor, you pay them, you know, $200 or $300 for an office visit. But in this system, it's not a fee for service. So it's you pay your monthly membership. If you need to come in once in one month and the next month you don't come in and the, the following month you know is not a good month and you need to come in three times, there's no additional cost associated every time you make a visit. Um, so the membership cost um, includes all your office visits. In most cases, um, it includes your procedures that we can do in the office, urgent care. If you need to call me after hours on a weekend, you call, you talk directly to me. That's all included. Um, so not only is it, you know, we can spend more time with patients and there's not all these out-of-pocket additional costs for every visit or co-pays, deductibles. Um, we also just offer a level of accessibility to the physician that, you know, is pretty much unheard of in the current system. Yeah. But like you said, it does kind of date back to when we had a family physician or, you know, the old country doc that would come to the house and see the whole family if the kids were sick, you know, maybe they have chicken pox or something, you know, they used to make house calls, which we do in this system, and I, I will if, if needed. Um, so house calls, you know, after hours visits, so it, it's very kind of old-fashioned in that way. Do you accept chickens or <laughs> gallons of milk uh, for your services as they did back there, in the I mean, day? I haven't come upon that situation yet, but mm -hmm. there are other DPC doctors, especially in yeah. rural areas where they barter and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is interesting. Um, can I ask you, how much uh, are you charging right now for a membership, if you will, into the uh, the direct primary care services? Sure. And and I, I am happy you asked that question because the other part of this is everything is very transparent, right? Yeah. So right. so all of my prices are on my website and every brochure I hand out. So for adults, um, you know, it's based on age. So there's different tiers, you know, like uh, you know, 20 to 40, you know, 40 to 60, 60 and above. Um, the average comes out to about $80 a month, mm -hmm. you know. For, for an adult and for a child it's around $30 per month um, you know if, if you have more than one child they give a slight discount to families that have multiple children um, so yeah there's a $99 enrollment fee and then you just pay the monthly fee if you come in again you don't pay any co-pays or anything in addition to that and that's what the setup generally is yes. uh, for direct primary care providers you pay that uh, enrollment fee uh, you pay uh, a monthly fee and think about the numbers. I mean, let's take a look at the, the basic numbers. All, and I should ask, all of the primary services are included. So when you come in, you've paid your monthly fee, you're all paid up, you don't have another bill uh, that has to go through some insurer and then back to you, the patient, right? Exactly. And that's the other really, you know, wonderful thing about this system is that all your costs, you, you would know everything ahead of time, you know, as opposed to the current system where you might go and visit your doctor and two to three months later, you'll get a bill in the mail, you know, $500 or $1,000. Well, mm. why didn't my insurance cover this? You know, I, you know, in many cases, maybe we don't fully, it's hard to understand what the insurance is going to cover and what they're not. But yes, to answer your question, anything that I can take care of 
in the office setting would be included. You know, things like if a patient needed a mammogram or a colonoscopy, you know, those would be additional, but I do negotiate prices um, with places in town or sometimes slightly out of town to get discounts on those type of services. Um, and if it's something that I can't do in the office, if the patient needs, you know, surgery or something that would be involving another specialist, I do, you know, again, help them negotiate a price on that. And I also, in my particular practice, offer them a, a telemedicine specialty service so they can actually have a consultation with a telemedicine specialist that might be in California or, you know, he'll give us an official consultation report. All of that is included. They don't pay any additional for that. All right. Interesting. Nicole Hemkis, owner, medical director of Advocate MD in Middleton, direct primary care clinic. Uh, talking about direct primary care, it is rapidly evolving uh, across this country. You're seeing more and more examples of direct primary care, but it's interesting. We were talking about this before we uh, began the podcast today, and that is um, there are direct primary care providers popping up all over the country, and, and you mentioned places like uh, Oklahoma and Texas, and uh, particularly in the, the western areas of, of this nation. Uh, there are direct primary care providers, obviously here in Wisconsin, uh, but there are relatively few that I have seen compared to other states. That probably has something to do with the state of the law right now. That is to say, we don't have in our statutes uh, something codifying what direct primary care is. And I know there has been legislation from State Representative Joe Sanfilippo, for instance, and some others trying to do exactly that. There's been a huge holdup. Two questions for you. Why is it ultimately you think there are relatively few direct primary care providers? And what would codifying uh, direct primary care in state law mean to the business? Sure. And, and I definitely agree with what you said about, you know, it, it does seem like, you know, in the state of Wisconsin in other, you know, we actually see as a region, you know, overall, the Midwest seems to have less DPC practices than if we look at, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and then even East Coast wise. So this model has been around about 10 years, and it started with probably a dozen doctors scattered across the country. And the places where it's really taken hold, you know, you mentioned Texas, Oklahoma, I would say are very free market leaning places, you know, I, I would think. Um, and again, in many of those states, they have kind of, you know, laws in place where it's, it says that it, this is not insurance. So therefore protecting us from, you know, being regulated by the, you know, Office of the Insurance Commission. Um, but yeah, the, here in, in Wisconsin specifically, we have historically been heavily HMO, you know, oriented. Um, and, in, and also in Wisconsin, for better or for worse, we have a very high rate of insured. Um, so as compared to the rest of the country, um, so for example, there was an article recently that I think they said 40% of Texans um, of, uh, between, I think, in the adult range are uninsured. I mean, that that's a massive amount. Mm -hmm. So here in, in um, Dane County, for example, we have 5% in the most recent statistics, I saw 5% of people are uninsured. So it's you know, much lower than the national average, which I think they're saying now is around 12 to 14%. It's gone up slightly in the current administration. But so 5%, you know, at least half of what the national average is. So, you know, what that means is that probably a lot more people are being covered by their employer based insurance plan. But I always try to make the argument that 
just because people have insurance doesn't necessarily mean they have access to care because people have significantly higher deductibles now. You know, obviously since the Affordable Care Act, deductibles have doubled or tripled for most people. So now instead of having a $500 deductible, they have a $5,000 deductible or a $10,000 deductible. So I have a lot of patients that have a high deductible insurance plan and they come and see me because they've still lowered their, you know, their out-of-pocket costs significantly and then the, the quality of the care they're getting is better. But yeah, so I would argue that um, Wisconsin in general, we have a higher rate of insured people. So maybe, you know, people that have no form of insurance, you know, will obviously be very attracted to something like direct primary care because it's affordable um, for them. And then I would say also, I agree that because we don't have legislation in place currently that would, you know, more protect doctors like myself that are wanting to start these type of practices and we have less established practices. I do think that when, when physicians see a practice that's already established and successful, that, you know, begets more people to want to do that model. And then, you know, then it you know, kind of expands from there. Yeah, I think about uh, just because you're not insured doesn't mean you don't have access. It's the, the other way around, too. I think of states like Texas and Oklahoma, at least on the primary uh, care side, there are growing numbers of people who have access to health care through direct primary care. They're sure. just not paying uh deductibles and big co-pays for that. They're using this free market system. And I think that really is where not just DPC, but all kinds of other free market solutions, that's where this country has to go if we truly are going to be responsive to the patient need, if we really truly are going to bend the healthcare cost curve and we're gonna get back to the basics of what it's supposed to mean. That said, there are a lot of interests who have a lot at stake for keeping the status quo. How difficult do you think will it be for physicians like you to tell the story uh, and to change hearts and minds from the people who pull the purse strings, the people who of course are also hearing a great deal from the insurance industry. I think it is a challenge, definitely. I mean, as you mentioned, they had the legislative sessions that were these study you know, study committees mm-hmm. last, last fall, and I attended some of those. So, you know, on the panel were representatives from insurance companies, there were politicians, and then a handful of doctors, some of them DPC doctors, some of them, you know, representing more academic settings. But, but the insurance industry, I would think, would be scared of something like this. I mean, even if we can take the majority of primary care and they're left with hospital care and specialists, that's still a massive amount. And as you know, in the healthcare system, what I've been told is that primary care doctors really don't generate revenue. The way that the advantage of them is that they refer to MRIs and specialists and these sort of things. So when you lose that referral source, and so you're no longer referring to the $3,000 MRI at the hos- at the big hospital in town, you're referring to the $300 MRI of the guy 30 minutes away. That's a massive, you know, cut in their mm-hmm. revenue that they potentially could have. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and so, is there? Do you see uh, five years from now? I guess that's the question. What do you see five years from now in the state of Wisconsin when it comes to direct primary care? I see, and and I don't think this is wishful thinking, but I I, I feel like there's so much, you know, I guess unrest both on the patient side, you know, financially and just in general feeling like the level of care that they receive is not adequate. And on the physician side, there are so many physicians out there looking for alternatives to being employed. So I I see that more of these practices will, will start. And I guess the uncertainty is, 
you know, how quickly that will happen. You know, I think just having started my practice and seeing that there's other physicians out there who are interested in this, and hopefully eventually when they see that mine is successful, they will start their own. And so once people, I think there's a certain phenomenon of, even though people are unhappy in a system, you know, there's an inertia there where they don't want to change. You know, they're scared of change. They're scared to go without traditional insurance. So having, you know, seen that the people are doing the direct primary care system, maybe they're doing a health share with that and that they're having a good experience, that will allow more people to say, well, this would be an option. And then, you know, you see people joining and then as practices build that, you know, it becomes more visible and more people are willing to take that risk. Nicole Hemkes, owner, medical director of Advocate MD, a direct primary care clinic in Middleton, talking about direct primary care, its impact uh, in medicine today uh, here on MacGyver Newsmakers. Um, I'm thinking about the powerful stories I have heard over the last uh, couple of years, and we've heard many of them in testimony before the legislature and just talking to direct primary care providers in in other states and here in Wisconsin. And, And there are so many powerful stories about how DPC made a huge impact in the lives of people who did not have access to affordable health care at the direct uh, or at the primary care level, certainly. Um, could you share uh, some of those stories, a story or two about uh, the impact that DPC has in, had in the life of your patients? Sure. And, and, you know, I've had both an impact, you know, financially, people that don't have access to the traditional health system, the traditional insurance, but also people that have full access, you know, for example, maybe a Medicare patient, but unfortunately their experience has been that they've been, you know, maybe shuttled around to multiple doctors because their physician just doesn't have time to take to talk to them. Um, But so I'll give you, um, so one example, um, you know, had a young, young lady, you know, in her twenties, uninsured, couldn't afford insurance, um, came to me as a new patient and she had um, paralysis of one side of her face. So it's something, a condition that we call Bell's palsy. So it's, it's a relatively benign condition, but could be confused with a stroke or something more significant. Um, so in her case, had she not had, you know, a membership in a, in a direct primary care, most likely she would have end up, ended up going to an emergency department. They would have done a CAT scan. They would have done, you know, all these blood tests, other, you know, other types of testing. She likely would have left there with a, a two or three thousand dollar emergency room bill. Um, so she was a, a member in my practice. She pays sixty six dollars for her membership. She comes in for a visit. I charge her nothing. You know, I do a thorough exam. You know, based on all of her other clinical, you know, symptoms and you know all of her risk factors. I didn't send her for any additional testing. Um, what they find is that the longer a physician sits in front of a patient the less we send them for testing, send them to specialists, because we can actually do a more thorough history and exam and, you know, diagnose things that before maybe in an eight-minute visit, if you come in with five or six different complaints, you know, okay, go see the cardiologist for your blood pressure because, you know, we don't, you know, we've tried you on this other couple things. You know, we end up sending people out a lot. And, and again, this is not to fault the doctors because I think there's really good doctors that are trapped in a system that just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so in this young lady's case, you know, I diagnosed her. I started her on some steroids. The steroids cost $5. I dispensed them from my office. I dispensed meds out of the office. So, again, I saved her probably maybe paying more at a pharmacy. Um, you know, I in this model too, you know, I call the patient to follow up. And in some cases, you know, rather than, again, because there's no fee-for-service system where I'm needing her to come back in to 
create an additional charge. So I can call her on the phone or send her an email and say, how are you feeling? Is, is the, are your symptoms getting better? And, you know, do a, a thorough kind of symptom check over the phone. And then if she's getting better, she doesn't necessarily need to come back into the office. I don't need to generate another charge on, on this. So, you know, I, I'm not, that's not what I'm looking for. So the, the difference in price of her paying, you know, $66 for a membership versus if she needed to go to the ER for two to $3,000. Um, I have another case of an older lady, and like I said, in this case, she had access to good health care. Um, but, you know, many people, again, that find direct primary care have had, I would say, maybe not great experiences in the current model. You know, maybe, um, again, their doctors aren't able to spend enough time with them, so they're sent to specialists, and then maybe the specialist doesn't feel like there's really any reason why they were sent there. So they have kind of this conflicting, you know, referring referring before between different physicians. So in, in this lady's case, um, she had been sent to a different physician she had a diagnosis of potentially having a cancer which they then found out that she didn't have cancer mm. um, so again they're looking for somebody that's going to take the time to talk with them and and again develop that trust you know I think that another thing that's been lost in all of this in our current health system is, is the patient doctor relationship is that sure. that that really has been sacrificed again when we got bigger and bigger in these health systems that you know now there's so many barriers so many layers in between the patient and the doctor that we spend so little time you know with the patient you know seeing them for eight minutes every six months or every year you can't really develop a, a rapport or a right. trust with that person and what i found is that even people that have been kind of shy of, of the healthcare system for years, 10 years, 20 years, you know, they come in and see me maybe, you know, two or three visits. And again, cause we're spending 45 minutes to an hour in these visits and they all of a sudden start to regain this trust that maybe the healthcare system is looking out for them and maybe they can have a, a medical professional that they can, you know, and, and some confide in that maybe things that they weren't able to talk to other doctors about because they just didn't have the time or they didn't have that relationship with them. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because that is what we have mostly here in Wisconsin, that kind of relationship, if you will. I'm not saying we don't have uh, good relationships with our physicians when we see them, but we, you know, a couple of times a year, uh, maybe more if we're experiencing more aches and pains or whatever. Uh, but it is interesting to me. I see my physician twice a year, and each time, um, you know, he makes me drop my pants and turn my head and cough. And I, f <laughs> I find that to be, you know, something we probably should have more of an established relationship <laughs> with. No, and I think what we're also seeing too correct me if I'm wrong, but we, we've reported on it here at MacGyver, we're seeing more direct primary care uh, coming into businesses. Businesses are looking at that model for cost savings, for transparency, and for overall health of their employees. And we found that uh, direct primary care has been extremely successful in La Crosse County and City government, um, they've been able to really see some some amazing savings. So maybe it's these kinds of stories as well that will eventually change the hearts and minds of some lawmakers out there. I think so, and, and I would agree with you. I think that it's great for businesses, both small and medium-sized and, you know, I guess, larger, um, depending on how many direct primary care practices you have access to. I currently have you know, three small businesses that sends their employees to me. You know, it's typically five to ten employees per business. Um, but what we are seeing, like you mentioned, is that there's an emphasis now on this thing they're calling high-value primary care. So an organization in town that deals with a lot of the self-funded bigger companies, 
Um, so now they're looking at things like worksite clinics and, yeah. you know, so on-site or near-site worksite clinics. And again, this is all to contain costs because it's becoming more and more unaffordable for these businesses to have traditional insurance. I mean, in some cases, they're paying $1,000 per month per employee or more. Mm. If it's a family, they're paying $2,000 per month, you know, per employee. Um, and maybe the employee is sharing, you know, 50% of that cost. Um, but if you look at direct primary care paired with, let's say, a health share or a high deductible insurance policy, you're probably looking at $500 to $600 per month um, for, a, in some cases, you know, a family of two or three. So, I mean, the cost can be cut by a half or a third. Yeah, yeah very significant savings. That's why I said at the outset of our conversation that I, I don't know exclusively if direct primary care is going to do that, but I think it can go a long way in the, the sorts of cost savings that we're looking for. Affordable accessible health care and uh, direct primary care certainly fits those two categories based on what uh, I have uh, reported on what I've uh, seen in the industry and what we're seeing happening in areas where these direct primary care practices are strengthening and expanding is that it will carry over to they will open up an independent surgery center for example um the surgery center of oklahoma yes. you know so you're probably familiar with um yeah. ken smith um right. and then there's a doctor in florida that opened up a direct primary care eight or nine years ago lee gross he mm -hmm. runs epiphany health now he's expanded to where he's doing bundled pricing with the local hospital so they can negotiate again his practice has been very successful he's added a location he's added you know doctors now they're you know negotiating directly with the hospital to say okay maybe I have a patient that needs a total knee replacement what kind of pricing will you give us for that and we'll go to your hospital rather than the one you know 20 minutes away because you're giving us a discount of you know 50 percent um, but yeah the, it's it's really incredible what can happen um, you know and the funny part again is in the current system there's no transparency of pricing you know if a patient needs a surgery or a procedure done um, so you know in the state of Wisconsin I, I forget if it's called um, price point or SharePoint but there's a website that you can go to, um, and I think it's run through the Wisconsin Hospital Association, to price out specifically if you needed a surgery or some kind of inpatient um, procedure. Uh, so I went on there the other day because I was just curious to compare prices, um, and I used the example of a, a knee replacement. So within an hour of Madison, a knee replacement can range anywhere from $95,000 to $24,000. Wow. So, and again, it, these websites are, are intended for consumers, but they're very difficult to use for consumers because you need to know the um, the DRG, which, you know, most people wouldn't know. It's the, you know, the diagnosis-related group, and then you need to know um, how many days you're going to be in the hospital. Which most people won't know that, I mean, until you're in the hospital and get discharged. Um, but, but it's just shocking to me how much that price can, how variable the price can be and also this idea that people have sometimes this misconception that, you know, the, the more expensive something is, the higher quality it is, which is, you know, completely those two things are not, you know, related. The, the funny part is that the the least expensive um, total knee replacement was at the facility, I would say, in town that has a great reputation for total knees. Their, you know, their orthopedics has a very good reputation. So, again, it, it, you know, the, the most expensive one it wasn't necessarily the highest quality and just that... That difference in price of you know seventy thousand dollars. It is yeah. it is baffling, I think, to the healthcare consumer. And I, I talked to a gentleman who runs a direct care. Uh, he's an orthopedic surgeon in northern Wisconsin, and uh, he said the same sorts of things. People were flying in uh, across the they 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 by the time that they s saved all this money on the knee surgery that they were scheduled. 
you know, airfare, hotel accommodations or whatever. That was nothing. Uh, they, you know, they, they saved so much from that direct care pricing that uh, they were willing to do that. And we're seeing that uh, across the country. It does beg the question, though, someone starting up in direct primary care, um, I guess, how do you make a go of it? Um, because you, the, the, the traditional model, of course, is 30 patients a day. You're an employee of somewhere else. You don't have to worry about uh, this or, or that. You have dedicated income that, that is coming in. But how do you make a go of it by this pricing structure? Exactly. And I, I have had patients even come up to me and, you know, it's kind of almost in a, way, a questioning way of, are you going to be able to make make a living doing this if you're and again we accept much a much smaller panel than a traditional primary care doctor that has a panel of maybe 2500 patients typically direct primary care practices are usually 500 600 patients total again to be able to maintain you know the the services that we're doing um, but but that's that's the uh, the funny part is that when you eliminate insurance you know so i i have at this point, no staff. I, I do everything myself, so my overhead is very low. You know, my rent is my most expensive thing. Um, and again, you know, I, I was pretty much making my expenses at you know maybe 45 patients. You know, so so I'm already past making my expenses. I mean, um, but there is security in and being an employed doctor, and you know, you're you're paid a certain amount. You, there's no fluctuations in that, and you get two weeks paid vacation and all of that. So I mean, it is a very different, I would say you're taking on a very different kind of lifestyle that, you know, your time is spent in a different way, but, and it does take a little while to, it will take me a little time to get back to where I was. Yeah. Nicole Hemkes, owner, medical director of Advocate MD, a direct primary care clinic in Middleton. You have answered the essential questions about direct primary care. Now we turn our attention to the non-essential questions that we like to call five fast questions. If you're not familiar with this, uh, you are not the first to be in the hot seat of five fast questions. We do this for all of our newsmakers. Please don't put a lot of thought in the answers. Certainly, we did not put a lot of thought into the questions. <laughs> but we like to have uh, a little fun with our, our newsmakers on the MacGyver Newsmakers podcast. Are you ready? Sure, yes. Are you ready, doctor? <laughs> yes. All right. Question number one, have any of your patients ever declared, doctor, doctor, give me the news, I got a bad case of loving you? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> okay. What song would you describe as the tongue depressor of music? That oh, is, gosh. it makes you instantly gag every time you hear it. Um, oh, great. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm about about uh, a dozen songs immediately come to mind for me. Goodness, um, um, Ice Ice Baby. I don't oh, know. I don't know. That would be a, that would be a gag <laughs> reflex uh, kind of song, no doubt about it. A little Vanilla Ice for you on this podcast. Uh, do you think medical science will ever be able to design a hospital gown that covers one's entire bum? Um, <laughs> you can always put one on the back and one on the front. <laughs> okay. You can uh, MacGyver it, not yeah. MacGyver as yeah. in MacGyver Institute, but the old 1980s show where they made bombs out of uh, uh, gowns. Who is the better, better meatball surgeon, Dr. Benjamin Franklin Pierce or Charles Emerson Winchester the third? <laughs> 
meatball surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> little reference to MASH, is, which is something I catch on a nightly basis on me oh TV. Um, it's been a long time since I've watched that. <laughs> you're busy. You're, 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 you know, you're doing uh, health care. You don't have time to watch shows about health care, I understand. Uh, the correct answer we were looking for, of course, was uh, Corporal uh, Max uh, Klinger. Uh, who is, uh, oh, I already asked you that, I'm sorry. Why does it hurt when I do this? <laughs> Rotator cuff. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. An expert medical opinion. There are your five fast questions. Wasn't so hard, was it? No, that wasn't too bad. Yeah, it wasn't like, you know, a doctor putting on a glove and asking you, <laughs> well, anyway. Thank you so much for your time. This is a very important topic, despite the uh, ending segment here of Five Fast Questions. Direct primary care, as we've been talking about, is it is one of the solutions to the problems we face in expensive health care today. We face in accessible health care today, and it will play a major part moving forward. It is more than time that the state address this important healthcare system. I want to thank you so much for being here. Nicole Hempkes, owner, medical director of Advocate MD, direct primary care clinic in Middleton. Thank you so much. You bet. And that is this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. I'm Matt Kittle reporting. <laughs>